Hi, and welcome to Death in Cambodia, Life in America, a podcast where I interview my father, Robert Chow, one of the first survivors of the 1970s Cambodian genocide. He survived the killing fields, navigated through the jungles of Thailand, and escaped to America to build an empire in the donut industry. After about 40 years, I think it's about time he got a chance to share his story. I'm Dorothy, his daughter, and your host for today's episode. Let's dive in. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Death in Cambodia, Life in America. Last episode, we are following along with Robert. He has walked away from Mama and Auntie Amanda and his family. He's turned his back and he is walking towards the first labor camp that he was originally taken away from. Because he does not want to put the family at risk. And so this was a very, very tough time for him. Um, I think probably the lowest point throughout this journey so far. The most painful being leaving his family when he is already in a vulnerable state, when he knows what's coming in the future, what he knows the Khmer Rouge is all about, and yet he's still turning away from comfort and going back to the labor camp, not really ever knowing whether or not he's going to see mama and his family ever again. Um, but he, but he made his decision and now he is walking towards the first labor camp that he originally was brought to. And let's see what happens next. I walk, it's about maybe halfway and suddenly this girl called my name. And I just turned around and uh, uh, see, I know her because we used to work at the uh, the labor camp uh, together. What was she doing there? It's about, it was about two, three o'clock in the afternoon. She just got off from the rice field and uh, tried to get something to, uh, you know, I may be drinking or something. She just saw me. She had a uh, banana. It's about two uh, wrapped banana in her pocket. And she called me. She said, uh, here, I give you two, uh, two banana to, uh, to eat. I said, oh, my God. It's just like, and then I said, no, why don't you keep it and eat it? She said, no, I still have uh, a few more. So... So she gave me banana, and she afraid too because you know you're not supposed to talk to anyone, uh, give food to anybody. That banana, I believe, her parent gave it to her use maybe gold or a jewelry to exchange. So I wanted to stop here and give you guys a little bit of an explanation about this quote-unquote, black market that we're talking about. People who were wealthy prior to the Khmer Rouge, people who had jewelry, pre-existing gold that had been passed down through generations or whatever you have it, people who had that had an advantage during the Khmer Rouge. 
Um, that's because they can use that gold, little bits and pieces of jewelry, a ring, a necklace here and there to try to trade for things on the black market, such as bananas, like we're talking about here, extra food, most importantly, Western medicine, if it's needed, antibiotics, stuff that the Khmer Rouge soldiers would not give you. Um, Unfortunately, yes, there was you know, the people who had money pre-existing really did have an advantage during this time period. Had you not had, you know, been lucky enough to have the resources, an extra little bit of money here and there, you would not be able to participate and and have the extra things that you would need to continue on in surviving. Um, later on in the episodes, we will bring in Amanda's stories back and you will hear there were certain periods where Mama would hide pieces of jewelry in Amanda's hair as they travel along as as a way to make sure that we had something, a little bit of an edge to kind of keep us going whenever we needed it. Granted, not everybody was so lucky. Most of the time, if you have gold, uh, you can sneak and do exchange quietly, you know. Because if, if you get caught, you get killed too. But I think that point, I think everybody hungry. So they're going to try to get food even they know it's a risk. Yeah, that's what Mama did too. That's how she got through a lot of the stuff. She had extra gold and even Gucci in her story. Um, uh, she mentioned a few times about how Mama yeah. would hide gold in her hair. Yeah. Or hide something in yeah. her around so that she could yeah. use it when she needs it. Right. So, uh, and this is weird too. So, why was that girl by herself? Uh, not by herself. Uh, so, just, you were basically close to the camp at this point. We're close to the camp. That's the whole purpose too that I need to pick up when they get off and when they walk and then they don't know who's coming, who's leaving. So, that time I blend in. As, as as long as everybody get to the camp, then, I mean, you're talking about so many people and it's no paperwork, no rages, nothing. I did just go ahead and try to remember my face. So... Were you able to talk to this girl about what happened the past couple of years? Because no, I, 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 I didn't. I didn't end because I think she gave it to me. I think she liked me. She said she asked me, she said, is it okay if I ask my leader to ask you to marry me? Was this the same girl? Yes. Oh, the same girl that asked you to marry you in the first place. And uh, I, well, did I mention earlier that you did kind of? You yeah, did kind of. Yeah, and this, she, the, the, the she she asked you, and then you you kind of poli- rejected. Yeah, politely. It's the same, the same girl. girl. It's the same girl. Same girl. Probably around maybe five years mm-hmm. older than me. So I was 15, mm-hmm. 16 years old at the time. Yeah. So she probably around nineteen, twenty. Mm-hmm. So I say, well, it's hard. I mean, you know, I'm not ready for this it's just uh the whole purpose that she want to get married so she able to get out from the label camp and they put you back in a village which what which village they can assign to you don't know after you marry and then they just put you in the village now i think after two or three years later 
the understand to continue to kill people is not gonna help, but it just make your life extend your life a little bit longer so they can they can they, they can use you. Yes, he asked me and I said no uh, I don't wanna I don't get I don't want to get married at this time and I'm only 16 years old. I cannot support even myself. So the, the whole thing, I think if uh, the system now, they change a little bit, that's why a lot of young people in a labor camp try to just go ahead and get married and then they move you to a village, which is a very tough life too, uh, but it's a little bit easier than uh, in a labor camp. Uh, they put you, after you marry, most of the time they assign you. Some people lucky, some people it's not because they put you in place that it's no food that uh, they put you to work that even harder. So it wasn't it wasn't like it wasn't like you were turning down a better life. You knew that even if you were to get married, it's not going to be fixing this lifestyle. So no. you decided to because if I was in your position and I was already hungry and I was already. Yeah. You know, and if somebody said, if you got married, you have a better life, I probably would have gotten married. I probably would have said yes. I yeah. mean, you know, it, the life is already terrible. But but you're saying that. No. And then she told me that she been, you know, she liked me, but pay attention for the past, you know, uh, six, seven months. And uh, I, I didn't know that's true or not. But then I left with the two red banana and. I took it, I eat it right away. It's, it's so it's so good, you know, you're hungry. So by 4.30 or 5 o'clock in the afternoon, I'm close to the camp. So everybody, I saw everybody walking on the street and everybody on the, it's the same direction. So by 5.30 or 6 o'clock, yeah, you you eating dinner and I blend in. I was, I was, uh, I know quite a few people when I left, when they took me to another camp to work. Uh, some people is missing. I know, uh, I know these two guys when I was left, I, he, you know, sleep next to me all the time. Mm -hmm. And he was very, his skin white and tall, very handsome guy. And he was an educated university student. student. The three guy that slept next to me, he was gone. And uh, I asked him, I said, what happened to the other three? He said, he, he's dead. I said, what happened? Uh, one, they just killed him. Because he find out he's a, he's a university student, and the two were sick, and then they sent him to uh, to the hospital. You know the local. Well, they have a, a team that when you sick, they put you. You know, it's, I don't think I, I don't call it a hospital. It's just a the same different place. place that they can give you different kind of medicines, yeah. So, yeah. yeah. So the two were sick and, and died. And one, uh, just, uh, they killed him. So he was so afraid too. He said, I don't know what's going to happen to me. So 
we didn't talk much because I, by 6.30, the dinners always have to stand on the lines, the same thing, you know, and try to get that food, porridge, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's no... I think, you know, this time I can see the uh, the rice a, a, little, a little bit, bit instead of just water. In comparison to the last camp that you were in, which was the really, really bad, the one that you had left yeah. because you got sick. In comparison, this first camp was not as bad. As bad. I think when I came back this time here, and they, they feed you a little bit more food. Mm-hmm. We... In that camp, uh, the front of the camp is a river, that, that big river. Right. And then you're able to cut your own fish. And now they let you, if you cut your own fish, you can, you can, eat, you it. can eat it. Before they didn't before, let you do that. Before now. And before that, you the last camp, you were in the jungle. So that you have no access to no. that sort of fish yeah. or food yeah right. see this is the thing here it really i've been depend on luck because if you go to the camp so your the soldier that guard you denies the the, the how hard that care then you're lucky you have food mm-hmm. and if you got the soldier that guard you that have no heart no nothing and then they just want to let you die. I mean, then you're gonna you're gonna die slowly because they're not gonna give you food. See, each camp they treat you differently. It's not the same. So, so I can see that they improve a little bit on the food. So they let you have a little bit of freedom. If you cut you uh, a rat, mossum, it's a lot of rat. Uh, if you, you cut your own rat, you can cook it. You can eat it. So That probably was a big relief because this whole time you were walking towards back this camp and you had no idea what to expect. Yeah. If it was the same people, yeah. if you can even blend in, if you were going to just get killed right there because they found out that you left. So uh, at dinner, so I got a, a, a bowl of... Uh, Porridge, porridge, and And, uh, then I sat down with a few people, and they still. I said, "Oh, will you come back?" I said, "Yes." Then, just like I said, ten people they have one people to watch, right? Yeah, not the soldier. So I know this guy. He uh, used to be my leader. You know the the group leader, right? So he said, "Oh, you're back." I said, "Oh, yeah, yeah." They 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 send me back, so I I lie. Uh, I got no choice. I cannot tell the truth. What else are you supposed to say? Yeah, yeah. So he said, "Oh, okay." Uh, then uh, the next day, woke up. It's the same as the rest of everyone. Follow that group leader and go to work so what was the job here uh to uh at that time i believe we build what a canal oh yeah to bring the water Water in in. to uh uh, to the farm and then we build that and so i was a little bit worried 
in the first couple days because the soldier didn't really recognize who's who's here, who's not. But the the group leader can report it to the soldier, mm-hmm. right? He didn't, yeah, he didn't say anything to the soldier, and they just worked there. So the time passed by. So now it's it's about a month. I was feel safe now. I said I'm I'm okay, but then every day I try to catch the uh, rat, which is a snake or whatever that I can find in my, you know, break time. Because I think, you know, when lunchtime, they give you about what, 30, well, depend. I mean, sometimes 30 minutes, sometimes one hour, depend on the uh, the soldier. So usually they give you maybe 30 to one hour, you know, to to rest, to not, you know, eat lunch. So I don't, I, I, I don't usually rest, you know, after I eat, I just go home walk around, try to dig the hole where the rat is. So usually sometimes you cut, you know, uh, five or ten rat, you know, uh, just a sh- half an hour. It's, it's so many. Mm-hmm. So. How exactly did you do that? So you dig a hole and Dig you- the hole and then because I think it's so many, is in a, well, just use the bamboo stick, mm. you know, sharp it and just yeah. dig it. And then so usually, you know, you go with two people. So you dig it, when one that stick it out, make sure the other guys, you know, make you sure you can't cut, you know, just, just, just smash with the bamboo stick. I see. Mm-hmm. People yeah, didn't I'm get pretty sick. good. People didn't get sick from, from eating those rats either? Yes, yes. Yeah, because it's kind of a risk, isn't it? Yeah. To eat. But I think, you know, uh, everybody eats, you know, everybody's sick, everybody, I mean, you know, a lot of people die. Yeah. I think that's, uh, you got no choice. You just live day by day. Just, so, uh, yeah, I, I never stay still. I just try to survive, cut the bread, and then I share with my group leader, you know, he, he liked it. And uh, if we caught snake, you know, we, we eat snake. I mean, so it was better than when I left the first time. I can see. But it's still, it's still uh, a lot of people, like I said, you know, when you eat rat, you get caught a lot of disease, a lot of people. So one one day I got, I caught that. You know, disease too. When I went to the bathroom, it's all bleeding. You know, mm-hmm. you're all bleeding. Now it's really serious. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, I getting weaker, weaker every day. And uh, was it your stomach, stomach ache, and a stomach fever? ache? And it's not no fever, but when you went to bath, it's it's bleed. It, it's all blood. Mm-hmm. A pure blood. I see. So I said, wow, I think this is it. So it's getting big. They let me rest. They let me stay. The group leader said, you just, you stay. So the guy that uh, uh, slept next to me, I got back about, oh, about a month or two. One night, 
one night they woke him up. Now they probably found out that this guy is a university student. He just sleep next to me. Yeah. Woke him up. He said, usually they call a friend, friend, wake up. Uh, you need to uh, a new assignment. Frank, At night, Frank is that his friend, name? friend, friend, friend. You know, friend, friend. They call it just like uh, uh, they don't call your name. They call you a friend. You know, uh, 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 just like Spanish amigo. Yeah, uh, yeah, friends. Uh, you need to follow me. Uh, you have a new assignment for you. That means most of the time they kill you. We know it. Especially if it's in the middle of the night. Middle at nine o'clock at night. Everybody is asleep. <sighs> so he was shaking. He just woke up and two guys, soldier with the gun. So walk him uh, out maybe oh, 200 meter, 300 meter from the camp. And then he just asking, he yelled, so quiet so you can hear. He said, what I did wrong, please let me know before you kill me. He just keep saying that, repeated and repeated. And then please let me know what I did wrong. I can hear so clear. I was shaking. I was shaking so bad. I said, maybe I'm next. And, and then I heard the bamboo stick. The bamboo, the head. It, it was quiet at night, so you can hit, I think, hit his head. Boom. And then he still said, what I did wrong, what I did wrong. So, so I think it's, they keep hitting him and then the voice disappear. I think, you know, it's, it was, it was, yeah, I was shaking. I didn't sleep that night. I kept thinking. I was, Said, wow. Uh, I didn't want to die. I don't want to die this way. You know. Uh, so. Uh, Do you remember his name? Oh my God. He was, he's a Laotian, Laotian, you know, because uh, there's a lot of Laotian live in Cambodia, you know that. Laotian and Vietnamese and, you know, Chinese, and he's, right. he was a Laotian. Yeah, he was 20, I believe he was 22 years old, 22 or 23 years old. He was older than me. Ah, uh, God, what his name. Uh, now I couldn't, I couldn't remember his name being so, yeah. So it it was happened 
probably once a week. Uh, they pull out people and kill. And you can and hear it. You can hear it. Uh, so, uh, 50%, it, it, it took them and killed it a little bit far away. You know, they dig the hole and then they, they kill it. They just, and, uh, but the one that asked questions, screaming and all that, they just killed it right, right there. They you know, close to the camp. This is probably the second or third time that the guy next to you gets pulled over and got killed. I remember from the previous camps that had happened. Well, that one, it probably sicked too. And sickness. Then, sickness, yeah. yeah. And uh, uh, yeah, it, it happened a lot. Uh, you feel so close to death, probably. Oh, yes. You, you feel every day hell. It's you live in hell. I mean, uh, it just, you don't know when is your turn. You just live in a, just like a chicken in a cage. One day they feel bad. They feel like they want to kill. They kill. And then all of these soldiers, when they kill, they, 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 they love some, the soldier, they love to kill people. They just in their head, they sick. When they kill people, I think they feel like they, they, they strong, they powerful. powerful, and they just continue to kill. No reason. With no reason. 